Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Murder Billy Exposed. I'm Andrew. And I'm Taylor. How's it going, everybody? It's going. It's going. Today, we wanted to talk about the stigma of murderabilia. And I'll read a quick definition of stigma for those that aren't familiar with the word. So stigma is a strong feeling of disapproval that most people in a society have about something, especially when this is unfair. And it's safe to say that murderabilia would be that disapproval for most people in a society. Um outside looking in you could totally see that it looks like a just grotesque weird sick hobby but the more and more you get into it the more people you talk to the more you get into collecting you see that it's an actual real hobby and i guess a foundation of a hobby i guess you could say that there's actual professionals like criminologists police officers former fbi profilers and former feds and so on and so forth that collect this stuff, buy this stuff, sell this stuff. There's even a, a guy, a, a criminologist that presents murderabilia um, at lectures that he does at certain like colleges and um, what and whatnot. And what's, what's odd to me is, you know, people like you and I would be considered weird for doing what we do, but people like the the professionals wouldn't be considered weird or odd or, you know, they wouldn't, be not fitting in in this hobby and um when it comes down to everyday people like you and i buying selling and trading i think we have that stigma on ourselves that we're just you know people that look up to serial killers or look up to murderers and that's not the not the case at all um and i felt that we could take the time today to i guess address that and maybe put people's minds at ease if that would be the right word um, about murderabilia. Um, and one thing, um, I've, I've always disliked and it makes me cringe a little bit is when people say, who's your favorite serial killer or who's your favorite murderer. And I don't know about Mm -hmm. you, but I have favorite cases in which, um, that got me into true crime, like, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and a serial killer by the name of Jack Spillman, who I spent two days, um, in visitation with at Walla Walla, um, uh, penitentiary and when it comes to favorite cases you know uh it's not to say that you know with this person like this is my favorite person because they murdered a bunch of people that you know my favorite cases tend to have like a certain aspect of the case whether it's you know the type of method that the mo that was taking place or the number of victims or even if it was just like geographical to me um you know, of course. Um, and I'm sure that I'm sure you get the 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 thing a lot is, you know, you must be um, looking up to murderers or you must want, want to be a murderer, you know, at the end of the day, selling this stuff, buying this stuff and collecting this stuff. 
how do you uh how do you deal with people that you know come your way and saying that I'm, I'm sure you get it more often than i do being that i'm getting out of the hobby completely yeah i mean i get um one thing i tried to do from the beginning and i said this quite a bit is try to keep a low profile in regards to um like there's some people who are going to be interested in this the people who are are actually buying and collecting are the ones reaching out and trying to pick things up right um the people that are um might be offended by it or not be a fan it's a little more um like a, there's a lot less people um who are going to be interested in it but i'm not trying to advertise or promote to people and convert them over into the hobby and say hey this is why it's cool you should collect this stuff i'm just trying to market to the people who are already there looking for it right um so i think that is helpful at avoiding some of that um criticism right because I, I just don't see a point in trying to bring that on myself you know obviously i get it people find one of my accounts sometimes and i assume that's why my um instagram gets deleted constantly and my tiktok gets flagged constantly is because somebody comes across it who um has an issue with it and then decides oh i'm going to say something and get this shut down because i personally find it offensive and that's fine but i'm just trying to basically avoid that as much as i can um by staying out of these people's way so to say right but yeah i definitely get people in in real life in in person like if i meet somebody at a bar or a friend of a friend or whatever I generally only ever have positive um, experiences. And I mean, maybe that's either that's either a people are just too nervous to say something to me <laughs> about it or want to be polite. But I think more often than not, it's just like, oh, it's a bit of a curiosity. And this is a bit of an interesting thing. You know, I've never heard of anyone who does this. So I didn't realize it was a job. How do you find these things? Right. Um, <clears throat> so it's you know, it's not like it's a huge constant issue. Um but you know it does happen the the thing when it comes to do you have a favorite as well yeah i always found like for me people somebody asked like what got you interested in this you know when i'll talk about jonestown people sample i've talked about that before in a few interviews about how that got me into collecting and then into selling stuff um but when they say yeah when, it is a bit cringy when people say like oh who's your favorite like or when i get followers on instagram that are like ramirez lover or, or like or like uh uh just very obvious like people who do edits uh, video edits of like pictures of um serial killers or interviews and stuff and just like kind of this weird worshipy sort of thing as opposed to historical significance right um and what they're presenting but yeah i think there's a lot of um i mean we'll get into it as we go i'm sure you have a lot of questions lined up here and a lot of conversation topics that will dive into this deeper but definitely I faced a bit of criticism and a bit of like weird looks, but for the most part, I'm just trying to not stay to stay separate from the circles where people would think that, um, and you know, stay in my own lane, so to say. When it comes to customers, um, you know, the people that we sell to, a lot of the time, people would think that people that purchase this stuff are that's not the case like there's experts i've sold to there's you know um authors and so on and so forth that i've sold to and it's always odd to me that um you know people can have hobbies such as like collecting 
stamps or antique books or even like religious artifacts and it's i mean pe people like to judge based based off of what they've been taught and what they've been brought up with i think and that's the stigma of murderability i think is obviously it's it's bad to kill somebody it's bad to do bad unto others and um i mean i think what you're, what you're trying to get at is that it it's i mean from our perspective at least from you or i or somebody who also collects <clears throat> it's like it comes off as like a hobby right it's like oh this is what i do as a hobby you know um from an outside view it is very stigmatized as you said it's very like frowned upon a lot of the time because it's kind of a dark hobby right and i think it doesn't necessarily just stick to the murderabilia thing like my thing that i collect more than anything else is um is used urns right like i'll go to the thrift store and i'll buy urns that people have donated because for some reason just like the idea of somebody donating an urn to a thrift store is ridiculous to me uh, usually they're for pets i guess right but i've had like 10 or 12 urns that i've got secondhand and i keep the 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 thrift store labels on them and have them on a shelf at home and i just think, think it's like a weird curiosity that people are like dumping out ashes and donating these things to a to a thrift store um and if i people will be like that's really weird too and which i get but it's one of those things where you know for me it's like an interesting thing to do it's like a unique curiosity um and then the true crime stuff even more so than that it's a curiosity right of like well, i want to read a letter that this person hand wrote themselves that no one's ever seen before or i want to see a photo nobody's seen or i want to um i mean with with kind of the level i'm operating at a lot of it is <clears throat> digging up new media new materials right and art i kind of collect um digital assets in that regard you know i'm collecting unpublished photos i'm collecting uh uh, uh audio calls and and just things that i can eventually maybe one day use in some kind of documentary project or book or something but um you know one of the big things that i find a bit frustrating and and i like i, I told you, you this before that i would never argue against somebody who has an issue with this and be like well i should be able to do it because of this right i get why somebody might be offended but my kind of view on it is that with something like the new Dahmer series on Netflix, for instance, right? Um, that most streamed show in Netflix history, Evan Peters, I'm sure made millions of dollars. The production team made millions of dollars. Um, and that came out and it's cool. Here's a, here's a show, just Jeffrey Dahmer, and people kind of have this view of, oh, well, it's educational. It's telling the story about this and that. And to an extent, yeah, but this is all rehashed information, right? This has all been out there before. This is all... It's just a retelling of a book about Jeffrey Dahmer that you could just read the book. Why do they need to make this big sensationalized thing? Now, on the other hand, um, with what I'm, you or I are doing, you know, when it comes to like writing letters to inmates, for instance, right? You're sort of getting new content, getting new information with you interviewing people. You have, I'm sure, dozens and dozens of times encountered new information or things that nobody's seen before or heard before that are historically significant. And sometimes I'm sure it's significant to the field of criminology. And then the same thing with me, because I'm buying and selling so many physical items, I've come across unpublished photos and, and unseen video and all these new pieces of media that are eventually being used in a lot of documentaries um, and, and projects and being brought together as new media, right? Um, yeah, so it's kind of at the point where when you're doing this for a certain amount of time, you can get to the point where you're sort of 
bringing new information out. And the biggest criticism I faced at first was, oh, if these we already know about these guys. You're not doing anything to help with history. You're just retelling the same stuff, which kind of has been surpassed in what we're doing. And yet still, I think that you and I are an easier target than a, you know, one of the world's biggest true crime podcasts or, or a, a Netflix series or Discovery ID series, you know, because it's just, oh, somebody can just message us on the internet and give their criticisms about what how they feel about what we do. And it's harder to get in touch with some of these other people who are doing this at a much bigger scale, making tons of money. And, um, you know, having the other thing with that is that people who might be offended or upset by this are going to be targeted by Netflix advertising or see, hear about this thing somewhere else. Whereas, you know, unless you're unless you're looking out for what we do, it's going to be hard to come across at random. Yeah. And, and the fact that, um, there's some people that do buy and sell just to just straight up sell, but you know, what you and I do is more historical. I would say, I, I guess you more than myself, cause I'm just trying to sell everything off and move on, mm-hmm. but I know you're, you know, procuring artifacts and getting them to different museums and different collectors that will preserve them and they won't just end up in notebooks or like, you know, tarnished over the years. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm working on some things too that I can't, contractually talk about right now but eventually it'll all come together and make sense people will be like oh i understand now but yeah no exactly yeah and uh and i guess i guess backing up going back like 13 years ago compared to now when i first started collecting murder billion you know buy selling and trading at first the stigma was definitely there you know my family and friends didn't want anything to do with what i was doing actually one of my family members at one point in time had cut me off um after this Dylan Roof news article came out, this was like 2014, 15 or 16, something like that. And as years would, as years went by, you know, as I would continue collecting and buying and selling, and then, um, you know, family and friends would be more, I guess, okay with it as time went on seeing like, this is an actual hobby and this is something that's positive and it's not negative. You know, I'm not out to cause anybody physical or emotional or mental harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the podcast progressed, you know, in 2018, the stigma went from like, oh, this is weird. And this is, you know, like pointless to oh, this is cool. And you're actually getting something out of this and people are getting something out of this and you're not just hurting anybody in the process. I mean, delivering these interviews, I think is there. Th- those are my holy grails. That's my collection is I want to have the biggest collection in the world of inmate interviews you know, mm-hmm. some people want to have the biggest murder collection, but I feel the the holy grail of every single case or or you know high profile inmate is that of an interview to me at least. That's that's my holy grail. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because that you know that like think about I guess even I'm sure this isn't an intentional plan, but like think about that one video of Ed Camper being interviewed in prison that was in the killing of America and became like a really famous interview, right? Like, or the one of Charles Manson where he's like dancing, acting like a psychopath or the, the interview of him where he's doing the whole monologue about, um, uh, you know, I decide who does what and where they do it at that thing. There's just all these interviews that have become pieces of pop culture and like just historic, important kind of documents of these people and, and how their brain worked, what they were thinking. And you're, um, you know archiving and compiling tons of that and 
Yeah, at the end of the day, it all becomes, you know, educational to a certain point. It's all useful educational tools and things that people can research and look at, you know. Um, and yeah, and I'm not saying that that um, everything I do is like that by far, you know, like I buy a lot, sell a lot of things that are just interesting and I know people want to buy. I'm not like, I'm not making a point to do that specifically. I'm not saying, oh, I feel bad just selling this stuff or just buying it. So I got to do it this way or that way to clear my conscience. So I really don't care either way. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I really don't care either way which one of it it is. It To me, it's like it's all a means to an end to an end goal that and um, I'm doing it in a way that makes sense and works for me. Um, the, the Dylan Roof article you were talking about, was there an article about collecting that involved him that you were in or, or what was that exactly? Yeah. So like a week after he was actually the day after he was arrested, I wrote him and about a week later, I got a letter back and I mm -hmm. posted it on true crime auction house for a thousand dollars back then. And it was like, there was so many, I, I made the mistake of doing a, an interview with, um, I think it was the New York daily times or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they made me out to be like a white supremacist sympathizer because in the letter he asked me if my name was anglicized and he was asking for money or books or something like that. So of course the media runs and does a story saying that I'm like some white supremacist sympathizer and I'm just like this Dylan Roof groupie and they called me a fan um, in one mm -hmm. of the, in one of the articles and after that, I learned not to talk to the media when it comes to murderabilia whatsoever. Because, um, yeah, I mean that's I've had that too with with media stuff. Where I, that's a good point of all this, is that um, from my own personal experience, I've had a lot of media things that I've reached out to, and I can tell when I'm talking to a person. I've passed on a lot of interviews and things because just the tone or the questions are getting asked. I realize, oh, this isn't going in a positive way or even a neutral way um it's a like a hit piece so to say so i don't make a point to talk to those people um but i've had a couple of times where people have written things and they write they word something a certain way or put something out in a certain way that makes it look <clears throat> more malicious than intended or makes it look like i don't care about victims of certain things or or just yeah just makes it become the context is, is is important right um I have some people. I have some items from people who are, you know, all kinds of crimes and inmates and and various things at different levels of severity and different taboos crossed and stuff. And I'm sure that people could make a case for any of those things, uh, as like ammunition against me if they wanted to. But <clears throat> you know, I try and only involve with media stuff that is either a, um. You know, I know it's going to be give my point of view or or B, um, it's going to be extremely good promotion for whatever reason, even if it is a bit controversial. But more recently, I've only really been doing podcasts, people that I know. I've only really been doing collaborations on stuff like that with people I know and not really reaching out to media people and saying, hey, I've got this crazy collection. I got this cool item. Are you guys interested in this? Um, with Dylan Roof specifically, it... Uh, this is a bit of a side note, but I remember a little spurt of time where a bunch of people had been writing him and then the um, FBI were showing up at their house and being like, hey, 
because obviously if you write a letter to somebody, your address is on it, right? So the FBI, I think I had three people personally who the FBI showed up at their place and was like, why are you writing this guy? What's your connection to him? What's your association to him? And um, most of them would just be like, oh, I collect this stuff. Here's my stuff. And cops would be like, oh, it's interesting. Okay, I get it, right? Like these weren't actually like malicious people or, or any like kind of, uh, you know, white supremacist overlords or anything. But um, yeah, he's definitely one. And I guess we can get into this a bit. He's one that kind of crosses a bit of a boundary for a lot of people. There's certain cases and certain things that are a little more taboo. And then that becomes even more controversial and gets more stigmatized, right? Like, um, and it all depends on perspective a bit. But I got a comment once on Instagram from somebody. And this is right after the Netflix uh, uh, series on Christopher Watts came out, right? I had somebody comment, I really think what you do is cool. I've seen posts about John Wayne Gacy, Richard Ramirez, Columbine, Jeffrey Dahmer, really interesting stuff. But this Christopher Watts thing, it's just too far. This guy killed kids. That's so offensive. It was, I posted a letter from him, right? And I was like, okay, every single other person that you um, wrote about in there also killed kids. Every single other one of those cases involved kids being killed. John Wayne Gacy was exclusively kids. Um, but Christopher Watts, in your eyes, is a child killer. And the other ones, it's just your perspective on those people. You know, you got Jeffrey Dahmer's a cannibal. Richard Ramirez is is uh, uh, the night stalker. You know, he was super violent. Like, people's perspective on this stuff is very, um, it's based just upon whatever media they're consuming or their kind of idea of it. And then somebody like Chris Watts, who killed, you know, three people, I think, then becomes worse than somebody who killed 35 in their eyes just because it's a more recent thing or it's more fresh. Uh, in their mind, or it personally offended them more for whatever reason, right? Right, and 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 um, in regards to the crossing over, of course, there's other hobbies like people collect, you know, things from like the Ku Klux Klan or like Nazi memorabilia, and I feel like that's a step above murderabilia. And I guess, I guess you could say it's like a subgenre, kind of like oddities is with murderabilia. It, mm -hmm. I guess, is just odd in the and the spectrum really, but yeah, I think, um, like when I wrote to Dylan roof, I wrote just because I was interested, the case was getting, you know, international coverage. And I wanted to talk to the guy and see if he would mm -hmm. spill why he did what he did. And of course I got one letter and he never wrote back. Um, but that's like the, I think that's one of the only times I've ever wrote to somebody that was convicted of a crime like that, other than Daryl Dedman for an interview. Um, but yeah, that, that news article really had pissed me off and really, you know, turned me off from wanting to deal with the media in the near future. I, I mean, I, I've spoke to the media since then, but it's been people that I've researched and people have been like recommended by other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it something that's um, I'm pulling up the article so I can take a look at it later on because I'm interested to see what they said. Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting how... Um, guys like with dylan like obviously people are looking into his stuff a little more or being more critical of it but there's certain guys uh, <clears throat> nicholas cruz for instance right his jail information isn't being or his prison information isn't being made public and like every inmate in the entire states anywhere all their information is public as to where they are and their facility and all this stuff obviously through looking at these addresses you know that but <clears throat> um, it's coming to the point now where it's, it seems like 
people are sort of catching on in the legal system of, oh, well, this guy, <clears throat> somebody might sell this guy's letters. Somebody might be trying to reach this guy to um, profit from it or give him some kind of notoriety or post his stuff online. And it seems like there are, there, um, are forces at work who are trying to help prevent that right now a little bit, or at least be more aware of, let's not give this guy our supplies, or let's not give this guy stationary or this and that, because it, to keep it less of an impact uh, uh, socially. Um, yeah, when it comes to the criticism, like I was kind of saying, like, I get asked a lot, like, oh, what do your family think or your friends think or this and that? And like, my family doesn't care really they think it's interesting they're not like oh this is so cool you do this but they're like oh that's neat like good for you they're glad that i'm like successful in what i enjoy doing for work um and i yeah I, like all of my friends anybody i've met is seems to have an interest in it or every once in a while somebody's like oh i'd love to come over and see your stuff sometime and i'll come over and take a look at things and think it's neat um but i think that it kind of like i think one thing that kind of puts in a bit of a skewed perspective for someone like you or I is that we tend to be in the social circles of people who would be cool with this stuff or interested in this stuff you know like half my friends collect this stuff and the other half are into horror things or at least like some kind of like oddities or weird stuff and it just your social circle kind of um works that way right where it's just people who are like-minded that come together so for me it's always been a it's never been a real struggle. I've never, like lost friends or had people cut me out or anything. I've had some relatives sit, be like, okay, okay, that's not really for me what you do. Like I've talked about it. Like, okay, it's not for me. That's fine. Cool. Good. I'm glad you're good, but it's not for me. And they just don't want to really hear about it. Fine. I wouldn't be offended or upset about that. Like it's totally fine. But um, yeah, it's definitely, um, <clears throat> it's definitely could have a pretty heavy impact on your life if you let it and um i i i'm sorry i like to consider myself good at um keeping the people out of my life that would make it more difficult for me to um do this for a living in a hobby and um I'm sure you do the same thing where it's like you're not going out of your way to try and meet people and convince them of um of why certain things are okay uh because you know for your own sanity right there's no there's no point in trying to um trying to um um advertise this to everybody and and make it socially acceptable when when there's enough people who are interested in it um and researching it you don't need to really um convince the mainstream so to say right there's always going to be a naysayer <clears throat> like even if you uh you know create something that's just above par and it's perfect there's always going to be that one person that hates it or hates you or hates mm -hmm. anything you do like no matter what you do in life people are just yeah for sure gonna be like jealous and just not want to see you win and i never really pay them attention like i'll get a comment from time to time on youtube like why are you giving a platform to a a rapist or a murderer this and that but like mm -hmm. you said you know all these other interviews 
are totally acceptable but then when it comes to this high profile offender like it's not okay and i'll mm -hmm. just delete the comment or i'll approve the comment and just not even respond to them usually but i really don't pay people the time of day unless it's constructive criticism and i feel like i can get something out of it but if it's just somebody just right in their mouth i'm just like uh whatever i guess mm -hmm. part of that stigma right is is uh just judging a book by its cover you know kind of in a sense i mean just judging somebody's work by you know everything that's come before it up until this like everything is everything was okay but for some reason this isn't and i just don't pay those people you know the time of day mm -hmm. yeah it, it's just there's there's like i'm not trying to be um an advocate for this hobby as in everyone should either a be okay with it b be interested in it whatever like it's it's i couldn't care less if um Um, if somebody was interested in it or not, uh, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm just trying to not offend or upset anybody. I'm trying to go out of my way to hopefully those people who would be upset or offended. I'm not trying to um, uh, bring this to their attention, right? To advertise it in a way that they're going to see it and be like, oh, and I mean, there there would be, I think, benefits to that in certain ways where it's like the controversy can be good, right? There are some people who have been doing this kind of shit in the past who go out of their way to ruffle feathers or be controversial. And it does work to promote stuff, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just at the end of the day, it's just hurting people for no, no reason or, or you're, you know, advertising to the wrong choir. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So the bottom line at the end of the day, don't really judge a book by its cover or judge somebody based off what they're doing because you might not know. I mean, this person collecting a John Wayne Gacy painting might be a criminologist or a teacher or even just somebody mm -hmm. that enjoys the hobby. I mean, I don't I don't see anything wrong with collecting at the end of the day unless you're, you know, like you said, trying to ruffle feathers and hurt people in the process, which I think is mm -hmm. super rare, you know, at this point in time in the hobby. I mean, there's maybe one in every hundred collectors of that, you know, might be doing something edgy or, or trying to, you know, get attention or what have you just to stick out or just to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can, I mean, there's a, <clears throat> you can kind of, um, I guess, summarize it to a certain extent about there's one thing specifically that, I look at and um I think this was an interview with Hader where he said he said this and he was talking about it. he went on Oprah once I think and um it was like a thing where it was like he was on there to sort of defend the hobby so to say or, or at least like to make an advocacy for it and they were like hey come on the show because um you know this is a topic for the show that's interesting or whatever and he I think he went on um and I believe it was like partially cut out or it didn't air at all but um they had asked him about uh uh you know oh you're just profiting off of people's misery and 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 discomfort and and tragic things that have happened and he was like well that's the exact same thing that you guys are doing you know you're bringing people on here who had things happen that were bad and this and that you're doing the exact same thing 
making a lot more money and then telling other people they're wrong for doing it right and apparently that that thing didn't get this is i could be remembering wrong but when i understand that what had been said in that part wasn't aired or was cut out or something um it is the case that like you know news media is literally just looking for mass shooting school shooting serial killer murder like this and that so they can put it on tv drum up controversy and then run ads on it and then that for some reason is 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 susceptible and a lot of people think of that as like oh well it's the news they're just telling the information it's like yeah to an extent but at this point when the news sources are all leaning different politically like they have their own separate agendas each one it's not just like a neutral news thing where it's just telling the news everyone has a different political agenda and then because of that um it kind of makes it like oh they're using all of these different kind of things as a tool for whatever their narrative is and you know theoretically doing more damage than any of this other stuff could be right especially branding somebody like people can lose their jobs or lose i guess social status friends what have you i mean you know, I, I've known a couple people actually that have lost their jobs after, you know, employers have gone on their Facebooks or whatever, MySpace back then and mm -hmm. seen people collect things like it. I've always found that weird is you can lose your job if somebody finds out you collect murder billy or, you know, dead dogs or cats in jars. I've always. Yeah. Not uh, if it is your job. So not right. really. <laughs> But again, as part of the stigma is, is stigmatizing somebody as like a weirdo or as like a wannabe serial killer or something like that. Like we can't have you around whatever kids or grown mm -hmm. folks or, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's something that I. I've had a few people been like, been like, make jokes about me being a serial killer or whatever, because I'm so into this stuff. And it's like. Well, you're not going to, A, you're not going to accuse like fucking John Douglas of being a serial killer because he hosted a show about America's Most Wanted. You're not going to assume any of these criminologists as serial killers, even though they know tons more than I ever would. And also, even if I happened to be near a crime that took place ever and the police came to my house, I would be the immediate first suspect because I have thousands of serial killer things and human skulls and like all this shit in my place. It's like, okay, clearly this guy's fucked and he must have something to do with it. Like, I'm not going to look like this and do that, kind of live my life that way and then go do shit that's going to, you know, um, make me a, a potential um, suspect for something like this. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm not living my way, my life in a way that uh, keeps me having a low profile, you know? So I'm not going to try and um yeah i'm just not trying to um stir fuck with anything like that you know yeah bring any heat on you that you really don't need exactly. to yeah yeah for sure for sure um before we get out of here today is there anything else that you'd like to add or um i mean just a couple of little things like <clears throat> I know you speaking of, of kind of, I guess, circling back around to the historical side of this, the archival side of this. Um, oops. I know you've compiled not only like through the podcast, a lot of media, but you have some books now that have uh, uh, collection items and documents, things that people haven't seen before. Um, 
and and I guess that's a you know points in regards to archiving this sort of stuff. And then I've been doing that same thing more recently um, as well. You know, I had obviously the book of the Dahmer psych reports that came out, and then the book of letters to Dahmer in prison. And I'm working on three other book projects right now. Um, one on Ramirez, one on Bundy, and one on Dahmer that are going to be out in the next few years, I assume, um, that are kind of archiving some of this stuff and bringing some of this information to the public for the first time, uh, which I'm excited about. And then I've got some documentary things that I can't talk about for quite a while, but but I'm something that I'm looking forward to is that once these other books are out and I have these documentary credits, I can say, hey, I'm I'm, you know, as well as dealing in these antiquities, I'm also a bit of a historian. And I think that's going to alleviate some people's worries about like oh this is a controversial guy or whatever like I'm hoping that that just kind of settles it down a little bit even though I don't get too much hate or too much flack it's still nice to um have a little bit of reassurance from the <clears throat> from the public that I'm uh, you know not doing the worst thing ever you know Awesome. Well, I think we can, uh, I think we can end it there and thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. For sure. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.